Welcome to the Success IQ Podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson, and this is episode 29. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Wherever you are in the world, I truly hope you are having a fantastic week. So we've got a great guest on the show this week, a good friend of mine, Dean Griffiths. And he is the founder of Energy Fusion, and also he is a intuitive coach. So, Dean, welcome to the show. Jeff, thanks for having me on the show. Real, real pleasure. It's I am really looking forward to this. So, Dean, can you share with us the um, your journey that's taking you to the destination of today? Yeah, I mean, actually, and the thing is, is I'm sure, like a lot of people, where I am now is not where I started. So, yeah. you know, I left school with no qualifications um, and I lived in a small town in Suffolk. My mum was working in London and said, look, I want to get you out of this small town. And she made me come to London, where, where I'm based now. And I worked in um, in the city. So I started off as a run on the trading floor for Lehman Brothers before they kind of crashed. And then I got into a company starting off as in admin and then come and work my way through into credit risk. So I started off like the first seven years of my career was very much in the city. So, but it kind of gave me a good insight in actually understanding business. But my, actually my passion, even though I didn't realize at the time was actually kind of fitness and health. I was kind of very much into like the bodybuilding side of things. And one of my friends who I trained with, he said to me one day, he said, why don't you just train to be a personal trainer? You know, you seem to be like really interested in this kind of stuff. So I thought, okay. So actually the only course at the time was the YMCA. So I did their course, I trained in it. And then for the first couple of years, I just kind of went along and I did a a bit of training in a few gyms, didn't do much, but I still work in the city. And then one day I, I just decided, you know what? I need to kind of make that jump. And I, I handed in my notice. I didn't have a clue what I was going to do, where I was going to go. And then the opportunity came up to work on cruise ships. So I spent three and a half years working on cruise ships as a personal trainer, also teaching aerobics and everything on the ships. So it was very much a, a work hard, uh, play hard kind of lifestyle. So, you know, I'm in my mid-20s at this point, and I'm having a lot of fun traveling around the, the Caribbean, the Mediterranean. So it really gave me kind of a good insight to work with a lot of people to understand how people operate, which mm. kind of helped me later on in my career. But it also gave me a chance just to understand how life is because you get to interact with so many different people different from different cultures. Uh, you know, on cruise ships, we have, I think, around 2,000 uh, staff working on some of the big ships, and you've got, you know, hundreds of different nationalities there. So you get to really understand culture and people a lot more. So when I came off the cruise ships around the early 2000s, I was kind of, again, going back into the corporate world because that was kind of a good place to start. But then again, I got that jump back into the fitness world again, and that kind of started the whole journey. So I started off generally just doing fitness, but there was always an interest from the cruise ship days. I was interested in herbs and aromatherapy, and there's that holistic side that was I wanted to explore more. And a friend of mine said, look, you want to check out this guy called Paul Check." So I looked into his work. He had a very much a holistic approach to to how you look at the body and nutrition and lifestyle. So I started taking his courses and that kind of took me on a whole journey down the holistic route. And one of the things that kind of really jumped at me was Reiki, which I hadn't really heard of. So this kind of energy work, I was like, okay, this is really interesting. So I trained in it. But what happened while I was training in it, actually, I started kind of picking up things about people. Now, this intuitive part, which is now me and what I do a lot of my work in now 
was something that I've always had. But when I trained in Reiki, it kind of really opened me up. And I started kind of, I remember doing a reading on this woman and I was scanning her body and I was going, I was almost getting like an image of an x-ray in my head. So I said to her after, I said, look, do you have a problem with your left knee? She goes, yeah, I do. I said, okay, that's interesting. And you have this problem as well? She goes, yeah, I've got that problem as well. And all of a sudden I started to realize that I'm picking up a lot of information about people. Hmm. So that kind of, even though I was still working with the physical body as a personal trainer and I was doing sports rehab, there was something about me that was curious about the mind. So I started exploring that. But you know, my passion was still, and it still is now, is working with the physical body. I love people who've got injuries that can't be resolved. I've worked with, I've worked with a lot of top CEOs in the UK who've been to other places, haven't resolved their problem, and they've come and worked with me, and they spend years working with me because we get rid of their, their issue, but actually we I teach them a lot of new tricks about how to go off the body, but also then we get into the mind because what we don't realize is the body and mind work together. And that was my thing that I loved is understanding how the body and mind work together. But, you know, over the years, what's happened is I've moved more and more now into the kind of intuitive stuff. So I call myself the soul whisperer. Mm-hmm. That's kind of just my way of kind of saying, look, here's, this is how I work. And, you know, that intuitive side working mainly with women, mm-hmm. but it's, it's being able to dive into people and actually help them see their, their, their lives, what they are, and see themselves for who they really are. Because in the fast-paced life that we live in, mm-hmm. people get lost. Yeah. And they don't really see who they are and what's happening. And it's very hard. So sometimes you've got to kind of pull people out and say, look, can you really see what's really happening? Just just stop just for a moment, observe, mm. and just see what's really happening in life. But, you know, for me, there's still the passion with the health and the well-being. So I set up Energy Fusion as a platform for corporate companies to kind of help. Because, you know, there's, you want to empower so many different people, but one-to-one you can only do so much work yes so energy fusion for me was a platform to get all that information out so we're in the process right now we launched in june last year we've got our first company on board and we just it's about educating people and that's my thing is it's about giving people the information that they need to help them empower them Mm. to look after their health look after their mental emotional state whatever it is so for me it's been very much a journey from the physical which i didn't even i wasn't aware of fully Mm. I've come over the years to realize now it's the mind, which is really my passion, but I still love the interaction between the body and mind. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's, it's, I think so many, so many people, especially the high achievers side of it, they don't, they don't necessarily fully understand how they interconnect. Yeah. So true. You know, they, they'll go for, you know, I, we use, and generally a good example is they use lack of sleep as a badge of honor or they use burnout as a badge of honour to say that they're working hard and they don't truly understand the the damage and the um, challenges that that is going to deem and put onto them in, in both how they perform and how they live their lives. Yeah, you know, in, in the short term, it, it can work. Yes. But long term, it's always going to catch up with you. And that's the thing, you know, working with some top CEOs who are coming back to me with the same physical problems, you start to realize this, yeah, they can push it hard. And obviously, as you get older, that changes. You can't push it the same way as when you were in your 20s. No. When you're in your 40s and 50s. So it's it's also understanding and listen to your own body. You know, that's the other thing which is really important is actually being to listen to your own body because it's always giving you signs. Mm. And but people just not listening to their signs, which I know with you, with your own story, mm. is that the signs were always there, mm. but it wasn't enough to wake you up until no. something bigger happens. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it's 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 my biggest regret and my biggest lesson 
is that I didn't pay it. I wasn't proactive and paying attention to what my body was trying to tell me. Yeah, but you know what? I think there's part of that is you're not meant to get it yet. You're meant to go mm. through and send through the struggle to realize actually because yeah. it's what it gives you. Like you said, the gifts that you got from that are so big that yeah. now you're helping so many more people because you've been through it, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I do say it was one. It was um, in a in a in a strange way. I often say that to my wife. Is it what is one of the best things that happened to me from the benefits and the lessons and the and the experiences that is now given me. But obviously there was it was a double-edged sword at the same time. But I think is yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean it's you know, I'm working one of my clients I'm working with right now, he's he's been going through the last two years working with cancer and he's he owns his own company and everything, very successful, but works a 70, 80 hour week. In he's in his 60s now, he's just turned 60 this this year. And um you know what he what we when we look back the two years before he was diagnosed, you could see the illnesses, you could see all the signs coming up. And I, and I kept saying to him, you know, you've got to start slowing down, you've got to start looking after yourself better. Mm. And he's, he was like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take a holiday. You know, take a holiday and it's fine for a few weeks, and then come back, yeah. and all of a sudden it's back into that same grind again. Yeah. And and again, this is a mentality people have. You know, I just need a holiday. Yeah. It doesn't work that way anymore. You've got to yeah. be able to find that that balance. Like you know, there are people who can get away with it and mm. they can do it for most of their life. But mm. to, to be honest, the majority of people they've got to find that life work balance. Yeah, yeah. So with regards to the um, the way you work with the energy fusion, do you and you cover the movement and and the mind? What sort of things do you um, what sort of things do you cover and areas that you specialize in as well and as well as them? Yeah, I mean, so food, obviously, one of the main focuses is recipes. So we're giving people recipes. And also we use something called metabolic typing. So obviously there's a lot of diets out there. So metabolic typing is not a diet. It's just a way of understanding the ratio of carbohydrates, proteins, and fats you should be eating, which is a key. Obviously, we use a basic understanding that if you come from a cold climate, mm-hmm. you're probably going to need more protein and fat. If you come from a hot climate, you probably need more carbohydrates. Right. So in the UK, where we are, mm. we've got people eating way too many carbohydrates. Right. Which doesn't right. balance out, and hence why there's we have this issue with weight in this country is that because people are eating what's more natural for someone in a hot country is we've got all these carbohydrates when we should be eating more fat and protein. Again, this is media driving in a certain way, but it mm. doesn't fit. So okay. that's kind of like a general rule that we use. And then in a movement, see, we call it movement. Obviously, people think of exercise, but movement very much is just, you know, there's so many benefits just going out for a nice long walk. Yes. As human beings, we're actually we've evolved through walking, not going out and and running marathons and, mm. and things like that. You know, we're designed to to move long distances, mm. but at a slower pace. Yes, and that's the thing is is understanding that there are times to do sprints and and to mm. do the more intense workouts, but they should be short. Yeah, and then you've got your long duration stuff. That should be the majority of a lot of people's um, exercise. So again, this is going back to the whole stress thing. You know, is exercise is stress on your body. Mm. So you've got to understand if if you've got a stressful lifestyle and then you're exercising on top of that, you're adding more problems. So even some of my clients I've worked with over the years who want to train, 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 I had to kind of take them back and just do gentle exercises just mm. to make them realize is that you can't keep pushing your body that way because it's going to have a detrimental effect long term. 
Right, right. Yeah, because I suppose is when we were when we were in the the age of hunter and gathering, there would be epic walks. It wouldn't be let's run to to that destination because as you're walking, it it is that it it is just what we do. I mean, if we don't yeah. if we don't move, then actually, why why did we why why have we been created in the way we have? I mean, one one of one of the amazing things about human beings is is that why we survive, why, why we have evolved so much is that we have the ability to outrun other animals, mm. not by running faster than them, mm. but running for longer. That means yeah. we could keep going for a long time. So obviously it, was, it wouldn't be women generally, it would have been the men who had done this, and it would have only been select men who had done this, but they would have chased after animals and they would have tired them out to the point where they literally gave in. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And then we got our feed, and that's basically how it worked. Right. So it's understanding that, is that we have that um, stamina. That's mm. basically why humans have evolved is we have the stamina. The problem is we're tiring ourselves out quicker now. Yeah. So we're losing that that innate part of us that actually allowed us to evolve this far. So, yeah, yeah it's right. It's being able to kind of those long walks, those things that take longer time. We're not in a hurry, but the problem is we're living in a life where everything has got to be done quicker, faster. We've got to have it yeah. now, right? Yeah. And that's the issue. Yeah, and it also is, is it, it's, it's, that, it's that walk, you know, in nature that can be so beneficial in, in, in your own well-being anyway because, you know, well, there's nothing nicer than going for a family walk or – going through nature I'm much I mean me per, myself personally I much prefer to go through nature than just going through a walk in the city but yeah. you know at the end of the day walking is walking but you know it, yeah but, no, but it's like I said though, nature is and and actually you know research actually shows is that nature actually has a, a very calming effect on the body as well uh, you know yeah. I'm sure yourself and anyone who kind of has been out and walking in nature, they always feel a lot calmer. Even if you've been out walking for a couple of hours, you may be tired from yeah. what the, the exertion of walking, but actually mentally and emotionally, you actually feel calmer, a lot more relaxed because yes. now you're more in uh, unison with the environment around you. And then you go back into the concrete world mm. and all of a sudden the stress because the resonance between um, the the plants and the trees and everything is not the same as concrete buildings. Yeah, and 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 what about sleep? Because I'm always banging on about the importance of sleep. Is it's obviously you know really important. There's a there's a reason why we have to do it. There's a reason why the um, I'm not aware of any other animal in in nature that doesn't sleep. But you know I'm not I'm I don't know animals that don't sleep. It's something that even even animals in the savanna, which everyone wants to eat, still have to sleep. So it's obviously an important thing for the for the animal kingdom. Is do you have do you use strategies to educate people to sleep more effectively? It, and if so, what are they? Or if not, what is it that you advise people to do? So with sleep, again, it's there are these one size fits all approaches, which is again I've I've I taught for years, and one of the, the main philosophies we, we teach is, is really look at the sun and the moon. We should be going to okay. bed um, when the moon comes when the sun goes down, and we come up when the sun comes up. So, but the thing is, there's, there's variance with it within that. And mm. one of the things that I always recommend is going based on what time of day that you was born. So if you was born in the morning, mm -hmm. I generally find that most people are more suited to going to bed earlier and waking up earlier. People who are born later in the day are generally more suited to working later, mm. going to bed later and then work and then waking up later. So 
you know, and again, if you look around the world, you know, we in in obviously in Western Europe and a lot of places, we have one sleep pattern. Mm-hmm. But again, you go into the Mediterranean, go into South America, they have two sleeps. Yes. And yeah. then you have in different different parts of the world what they have what we call uh, polyphasic sleep patterns where they have many sleep patterns. What's actually the, the real key parts, the different parts you need to look at it. The first three hours is the most powerful for getting the physical repair. Okay. So again, the first three hours is really uh, important because we we have our deepest sleep in that first three hours okay. but the second half of sleep so basically the first four hours of sleep is basically our physical repair time mm. and then we go into the second half of our sleep it's basically where we get our mental emotional repair that's where we do a lot of dreaming as well because we spend more time in the REM sleep uh, stage mm. so it's understanding is it but for some people, you can break it down. And then, you know, there are some actually some famous people who break it down in, into three-hour slots, hmm. uh, and that's how it worked for them. But it's just understanding is that some people are more naturally prone to wanting long sleep. But again, it's we've been driven a certain way. It's understanding what your body is. You know, I've got friends who are very smart. You, you see this with people who've got who are very inventive, mm. very creative. What happens is they often wake up in the middle of the night with some of their, their most amazing ideas. Yeah. You know, if you go back in, in, in the UK, if you go back to Victorian times, basically what would happen is people would be going to bed quite early, especially if you think about winter mm. when, when it gets dark really early. People would go to bed early and they'd be up by about 11 and midnight. And then they go off and they socialize, they have sex, you know, they do all the normal things that people do. And then they go back to bed maybe around about uh, three, four o'clock in the morning. Oh, right. Okay. These different patterns, and this is what, you know, history shows is that we don't actually generally, a one sleep pattern is not actually our natural pattern. It's something that we've grown into and we now use. And obviously, most of the research actually backs it up because that's what we used to. Mm. But if you look over time and you do actually explore more, you actually see there are many different sleep pattern cycles that you can follow but for me i always say that look at the time of day that you were born mm. and that for me is a good idea to understand how to use it for you you find that actually morning person you're definitely more wake up early that's i'm a morning person i don't know about yourself but i'm a morning person i like waking up at five o'clock i'm up but i rather go to bed by about nine ten o'clock in the evening that's how it works for me yeah i'm a late person i was born i was born in the evening so and is that the is that what they call the circadian rhythm yeah or that's if... part of the circadian rhythm okay um circadian, circadian rhythm is is the between the is basically uh within the brain it's basically our natural cycle it's, it's all of our hormonal systems are based on that right um okay. again and then we have most people obviously link it into daytime but also we have that same and that basically we have these what we call 90 minute cycles that run throughout the night and so mm. basically we go through in and out of the deep sleep in 90 minute cycles throughout the night mm. but we actually have the same thing during the daytime um, so it actually helps with productivity as well. So people during the day who go, you know, I can't sit down for three hours and just work. I say, well, actually, your, your natural rhythms during the daytime are also the same. We actually have the nine, the ninety-minute cycles also. Hmm. So it's also being aware that even though you're sleeping that way, but actually during the daytime, that's how we operate naturally also again there's variance within that as well depending on mm. the kind of person you are so but as a general kind of rule of thumb mm. 90 minutes during the day is actually a good way of working for people yeah which i found has been very effective for a lot of people again it's getting out of that mentality of having to work 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 like you said yeah it's actually there are different ways that we can hack that yeah. to be more productive 
in a shorter space of time. Yeah, and I, I know from from myself doing sort of productivity experiments is I I generally I'll do the Pomodoro uh, t- on the timer yes. and I'll do either, and it de- it really actually depends on the the day, which I can't explain. I'll either do twenty five minute slots with a break and then twenty five minute, and I get a lot done. But at the minute, my most productive is a forty five minute then a break and then a 45 minute and the break might be only be 10 minutes but right. i suppose that's that makes complete sense to me i i don't see the point of working i mean that's you know i think it's norway or sweden that have um have changed their work hour to six hours not eight because that's right yeah they've gone look no not not a significant enough amount of work gets done in those two additional two hours so, and then, then, you know, I think it's that, I think it's always that thing. It's about working. We live in this philosophy where, and it needs to change. It's probably just, it's probably just transferred over from the industrial age is that you head down and you work your ass off. And the more hours you work is a proof to say how hard you're working, but True. actually it's working smarter and using your body's systems and your, the way your brain functions that is the best way to work. So it's about smarter working, not harder working. Yeah, you know, and with technology nowadays, we don't have to work as hard because we've no. got things that allow us to actually work smarter. But the thing yeah. is, it's, it's a mentality. It's being able yeah. to shift that mentality and go, you can get so much done. And, and we, we do see it, but we don't see it enough because it still doesn't fit the, the model. You know, yeah. how can you pay someone yes. a high wage if they're only working for four or five hours of the day? Yeah. Yeah, it's getting that shift in mindset. Go, if they're completing all the projects that they're meant to be doing, they're doing doesn't exactly, it work? Yeah, they're doing exactly they're what the they're value, getting paid the for. The value of it is worth it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, hi, welcome to the second part of the show. This is the question time part, um, where I ask my guests every single um, every single guest we've had on. I ask the same questions. Um, so we can have a look and identify with common threads through all. So, Dean, are you ready for your questions? I'm ready. <laughs> okay. First question is, how much time a week do you spend on self-development? Um, for me, this is a big area. This is such a key area. Um, I read many years ago that a lot of the most successful people in the world will spend three to four hours a day working themselves. Mm-hmm. So I will pretty much, not consistently, but m- most of the time, I will look to between three to four hours a day working on myself. So that's physically in the gym, mm-hmm. um, going walking that we, we mentioned in the first part. And then also mental, emotional, so that can be uh, meditation. It can be doing what different techniques I use to work on um, changing my beliefs and the way that I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of studying, reading. That for me is all my personal development. So I'm looking at probably three to four hours per day. Fantastic. Brilliant. Excellent. Okay, so the question number two is, what is your favorite personal development book and why? And it doesn't have to be a traditional personal development book, just something that is really you've gained massive self-development in. Well, for me, there's, I mean, one of the, and it's actually a series of books, which really was a, a big mindset change for me. And this is the Celestine Prophecies. Okay. I think there's five books in the series and it just, it just helps you understand your way of thinking and it just changed, you know, I read the first few books um, probably 15, 20 years ago. Mm. And then the newest book came out about five years ago and I went back and started and went back through all the books again. And those kind of books, you have those kind of books where each time you read them, Mm -hmm. you get something different from them. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's what I got from the Celestine Prophecy uh, series is that there were so many different insights the second time I read, I went through them. So that's mm. one of my, that's for me is one of my all time series, best series of books. Do you know who wrote that? Oh, oh, I'm testing it. The name just gone in my head. <laughs> I'll look on Amazon when we do it, so that's fine. I'll put I'll put it in the show notes. The uh, question number three is: What is your favorite app? Now you know I'm not I'm not really an app person, but because I'm all about information and knowledge, the two apps which I love and I use probably use the most are Amazon to find the right books, yeah. and then Audible. So I'm yeah. I go between listening to books and then um, reading books. So yeah. you know, for instance, I've got like a uh, Tim Ferriss's new book, which yeah. I know you've got also. It's, it's huge. That's a, yeah, that's the kind of book you need the physical content for. Yes, totally. And then I've also got Gary V's um, Gary, Ask Gary V book. That's one mm. I listen to because you understand the context of what he's saying better when you hear it. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. for me, those two, you know, knowing when to read something, when to listen to it, has been really important to have those two apps. Like I said, I'm not really an app person. Mm. I know that you. It's a big thing for you. Know, having yeah. conversations with you, I learn some new stuff. But I, I kind of like it simple. Yeah, no, no, that makes sense. Basics. No, that makes sense. I mean, one of the things I do, and 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 I think it's just a way that my strategy works is, if I um, there's sometimes where I'll actually have books that I really love, and I've got the Kindle, the audio, and the physical book, because what I'll do is, and the the only time it's sorted out is when someone re-edits the book the audio right. version where it's not the same as the physical book, yep. but I will generally read along with it because that just helps me go through that process. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's, it, it's just finding, because you know, there's sometimes where like when I go on holiday, if I was going to take all the books, I'd probably read or at least look at or research when I wait, I'd probably need a separate case. So that's yeah. when like, that's where the Kindle comes into his own. But I definitely agree. Like the, the Ferris book, which I'm absolutely loving I would feel completely lost if I was just listening to it because yeah. I've gone back to the same thing probably over and over and over again just to read it, mark it, highlight it, write notes in the margins, and it's it's just one of those books. And as you say, the Gary Vee books or um, a couple of other ones, you just read and you go, yeah, okay, I, I, can, I could listen to that one and that's fine. Exactly. So that's me it's just – it's not now with technology we can take in information in different ways you know now with the growth of podcasts yeah you know there's different ways that information is coming so it's nice to know what to tap into to get different uh pieces of information that you're looking for yeah no fantastic okay question number four is what's your biggest business mistake and what did it teach you see i, I never like to call it mistake but uh um, learning lesson learning lesson exactly i i had a um i set up a Webs and I spent years working on this called Global Resources for Therapists. And it was set up, it was ideas, like I said, my thing is about information, getting information and educating people. Mm. So basically I set up a website as a therapist, sports therapist, I wanted to help more people because there was so much information out there. So I set up this website I spent years, <coughs> excuse me, building this information and I created hundreds of pages of information but I couldn't drive the people to the to the website. The few people who went to it loved it. Mm. And I realized after a few years, the amount of work that I was putting in, I wasn't getting anything back from it. Mm. So for me, I decided to close it down. But that same principle I've now put into energy fusion. Yeah. So even though I spent years having to learn and craft it and get the best way of working it, it's actually helped me so much with energy fusion mm. that setting that up was so much easier because I went, I'm just going to be replicating the same kind of idea, but just in a different way and making it actually better. Yeah. 
And I think I think that's the um, I think that's the thing is is it's, you're absolutely right. The every mistake is a lesson in it anyway. And yeah. I think it's when you look at that and you you have the foresight to pay attention to it and and sort of know what you've done and then use those lessons into the next um adventure or endeavor then you know you make more you well you make that progress a lot faster exactly. and, then, and then you go through another learning phase yeah exactly so for me you know the lessons i got from it mm. it is worth going through it yeah okay and um okay so question number 5 is what are your challenges in balancing work and life and how do you manage them Oh, challenges. Um, you know, I think one of the things anyone who's self-employed probably gets this is that you're always constantly switched on. Yeah. Is business, you know, business is always on your mind. You know, the thing for me is is that what I do isn't a job. It's something that I, I'm passionate about. I love. So often I, I can be at a dinner party and I get into conversation and the people go, oh, I'm sorry, you're talking about work. I'm going, no, I'm just talking about what I love. Yes. So sometimes I think really is it's not about finding the balance it's it's knowing that what i do as a job and what i do and what my passion is in life are the same thing so mm. i'm not looking for balance i'm looking to go i just want to be doing more of it whether i'm doing it in my yeah. personal life or whether i'm doing it in my work life mm. obviously the work life you want to be doing it and making money from it yeah. but there's also for me there's a lot of um value from giving to people in your private time in the same way Yes. but not with the return it comes in different in different forms yes. so yeah, yeah. the balance i don't know it, i think it just happens naturally for most people especially when you're doing what you love yeah i suppose it's the the thing i think that's right it's when you because you and i are very very similar in the set you know we 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 do we almost breathe what we do because we yeah. enjoy it so much and it's I don't, I don't, I don't ever intend to switch it off. You know, sometimes you just go into a different mode and yeah. it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I've had, my lessons have been, I've got to be more aware of the other important things in my life because I can literally lose time doing this stuff, whether it's brainstorming or whether it's coming up with new concepts or whether, you know, whatever it is, you know, we've talked about this loads of times is we can, you can just get absorbed in in the work and also the one lesson i had to learn was um to not to to not always be a coach yes because there's that want to help people and you're listening to them from the professional level and go wow okay i really can help this person find the solution but actually this isn't the right time to do that and i had to learn to switch that off I th- you know, I think it comes back to context. It's how you, you put it across to someone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of stories and analogies. Yeah. So sometimes what I've done when I've been at like a dinner party and in, 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 like I said, you felt like actually, you know, I could just give you some great information here. And I thought, okay, yeah. actually, let, let me tell you a story about a friend of mine. Yeah. And that way it actually comes across and they go, ah, you know, I've got the same issue. I go, oh, okay, perfect. That, well, that works really well. Yeah. And yeah. it's just a way then of kind of making it more lighthearted rather than, like you said, is yeah. jumping in as a coach and just wanting to give that information. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. That's it. It's, it's, it's stories or I've read in a magazine or, you know, it's, yeah. it's doing it that way rather than going, or sometimes it's asking permission. Yeah. Absolutely. A, yeah, there's, a couple, there's a couple of times is people will just jump in and, um, I remember a conversation we had back in, in London once and you went, uh, 
do you mind if I just talk to you about that one? And I was like, no, no, please feel free. But some people would just dive in. And it's, yeah. it's that ability because then you, you, you leave, you're opening the door to going, okay, you know, I've got permission now. Now you're mine. It's, yeah, you know, it comes back to respecting people's space, yeah, right? You, you know, yeah, it's, totally. of course, we, we, again, you know, as a, as a coach, we sometimes think that we know more than other people. So understanding is mm. that I'm going to give you a perspective that I'm seeing. It doesn't mean yeah. it's your perspective. No, exactly. And, and, that, and that's, the, that's the important thing. It's not driving them down your belief structure. It's driving them down. It's supporting them on theirs. Exactly. That, that's the thing. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, question number six is, what advice would you give an entrepreneur that you wish you had known starting out? I th- and I think this is probably, I'd be surprised if most people don't give this one actually is, which is patience. Yeah. Is we, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, you know I'm 45 and I think what at 25, I still had another 20 years and I was pushing it then to try and learn and get it all right and, and yeah. do it perfect. Then I go, the thing is we don't realize actually how much time we've got on our hands sometimes. No. So for me, just being clear, you know what, you know, and, I, and I'm working with uh, women who are in their mid-20s and they're worried about why am I not getting this and going, oh, trust me, mm. you've got another 20 years, you still won't get it. Yeah. And there's part of them going, what? You mean I, I'm not going to get it? I go, yeah, but trust me, what you're going to get over the next 20 years, you'll, you'll get to my age and you'll go, okay, you know what, I get it now. Yeah. But the thing is, you, until you've been through it, you know, I, yeah. I know, I remember when, it, when I was in kind of my early 20s and I was speaking to guys in their 40s, I was looking at them thinking, oh man, they're really old. But actually, until you're at that point yourself, you can actually go, but you know what? I was only seeing it from that point of view. Yes. At, when you're 40, 50, whatever age you are, mm-hmm. you're seeing it very different because you've been through the experience. So, you understand. so it's very hard to explain yeah. it to someone who hasn't been through that. Yeah. Yeah, that, well, for me, always come about patience, always. Yeah, totally. it's funny enough, it's, you say that. I was speaking to my eldest the other day, he was 17, and he was talking about, um, oh, Dad, you're old. And I says, you know what, son, I'm, I might be I might be 40, 41 years old, but I still feel 18 inside. Yeah. And I don't think that ever changes. I think there's an age that you default, you know, in, in the sense of, you know, I might be wiser, I might be everything, but I still think I'm 18 in my head. And it's it's a bizarre... <laughs> It's a bizarre experience. You could see his face going, "What? I just don't get that <laughs> at all." Yeah, excuse me. He hasn't he hasn't had that experience yet. He no. hasn't been through the yet to know what it feels like. But it's, no. you know, it's coming back to what we said when you love what you do. Yeah, it doesn't matter what age you are because you just still do it. You know, you're still that kid again, or whatever age that is that yeah. is for you. Absolutely. You're still that person. Absolutely, totally, totally. Okay, question number seven um, is: What is your definition of success? For me, success, which is kind of what we've just been speaking about, is waking up every morning and doing what 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 makes your heart feel like it wants to explode. Yeah, I mean that for me is what success is. You know, there's a lot of people who are successful, yeah, but very miserable, very unhappy with their lives, with yeah. their relationships. Yes, it's you know, it's when you wake up and you go, you know, I always say, look, I would do if money if I had. If I had all the money I I'd need for life, mm. I would do what I'm doing right now for free. Yeah, I that's how much I love it, and yeah. that's why I consider myself successful. Yes, for that very reason. Yeah, no, I'm totally I'm totally with you. It's it's amazing how many people um, I've worked with in the past who have have all the shiny things, mm-hmm. but they're they're emotionally 
physically and mentally empty from the from the sort of self appreciation um sort of love i suppose deep meaningful relationships because they've spent so much time pursuing the blingy stuff yeah that they haven't and they they all of a sudden almost like an epiphany one morning go where actually is my life going you know i'm disconnected from my families i'm my 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 i'm on my third wife or third partner it just doesn't something's not right yeah, and, totally. and and then they sort of come they come to me and it's like okay we need to reset things and i need to really tap into what is important to me and it's yeah. it's a you know we know that we can we can see famous people every single day in the news who have the financial wealth that they want but they're missing the emotional wealth yeah you know and it's so it's you know money is not everything and i'm you know there's an awful lot of people say this, but I'm sure on your last day on this planet, the last thing you're going to think of is, damn, I could have made an extra quid today. Yeah. You know, it's, just, it's just not And actually, it you know, um, why, one of the reasons why I'm a big fan of Gary uh, Vaynerchuk is one of the things that he did early in his life, he went to an old people's home and spent mm. time with people who were um, obviously in their 80s, 90s. Yes. And the thing that he learned from them and the biggest regret that most of them have is that they didn't do enough with their lives. Yes, yeah. yeah. And for me, that that's where it's come back is I could take a normal job and get the right wage, but I go, mm. I would probably be like that person in the, in the old people's home, yeah. 80 and 90 going, oh, you know what, I wish yeah. I did what I really wanted with my life. Yeah. That's no. what I, that's yeah. what I, always comes back to me that's why i keep doing what i do yeah and that's and 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 actually that's one of the reasons why i uh, you know why i do what i do and why i'm so persistent with people who do it because i want my kids to learn that it may not be easy you know but you've got to pursue the thing that makes you happy because too often it, it it is you see you know, you and I probably work with the people that are not doing the things that make them happy, and therefore we they end up having to look for that support and look for that assistance to help them retap into what that that sometimes their passion, sometimes what makes them happy, sometimes to even to, to, they may never have even explored it because yeah. they've just been on this roller coaster of mum and dad have said X. So that's what I'm going to do. And one day they wake up and go, I actually don't want to be a lawyer anymore, or I don't want to be a doctor anymore. I don't, you know. And it, I think that's such so sad that if yeah, they, you know, there's so many people who who go through their whole life not even finding their purpose. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, sacrilege. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Question number seven is the life lesson question. So what we do is where I ask my guests to pick a number between one and fifty, and what we're going to do is we pick a lesson that I have learned during my um, recovery and into owning a business, and then we're going to discuss it. So pick a number between 1 and 50, Dean. 22. 22 is journaling. Oh, nice. I like journaling. um, So uh, there's two things with it. I think journaling for me is it's that important to um, record. I generally use journaling to record the successes and to rather – sort of like brain dump ideas down so i don't consume my brain with oh i've got to remember all these things Mm. it's to kind of think about what i'm thinking it's to record the successes so when i've got a bad day i can come back and go oh yeah actually that that it hasn't been that bad because over the last three days i've achieved this 
and it's a way to sort of record. And I love writing a journal. I don't type my journal. I, I physically write my journal. And I'm just wondering how how useful you found it and what your sort of strategies are with it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm the same as you. Writing, there's a key, there's a there's something about writing as well. But actually, for me, journey is not actually. I I, I use it totally different to you. Okay. For me, it's a way of offloading what's going on on in my head. You know, working with co- or coaching a lot of clients, mm. what happens is, you know, we have all these repetitive thoughts going around in our head day after day. Yeah. So for me, journeying is a way of getting what's going on in my head out. Yeah. Okay. And it's something I teach my clients is go that when you find that you're just getting caught up in what's going on in your head, because why it's in your head, you're not going to really see why it keeps playing out. Mm. When you can take it out of your head and, and write it down and put it out somewhere, you mm. can then look at it and go, ah, now yeah, I understand okay. why I keep why that problem's there. So for me, that's the value of journaling is it's being a take take what's going on in your head mm. and then put it out into the physical world so that you can actually observe it and see actually what it is that you're kind of thinking about. You see, mm. for me, you see it in a very different light because within the context of your of your mind, mm. you, you're basing it on past experience. And remember, your brain's making up these stories and, and fixing things and putting it together. But when you put it down in front of you in writing, mm. then you look at it in a totally different way. You go, Okay, that problem that I thought was really big in my head, actually, it's not that big at all. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's why I that's why I found it really powerful and something which I get my clients to do. And do you do it longhand or shorthand? Do you sort of do it in in short synapses, or do you just free write and wait until it's come out? Both. I mean, it, right. it really, you know, I think when you're doing true journaling, there isn't a right or wrong way. It's yeah. just however it wants to come out. Okay. Okay. Sometimes it's just words there were um you know if i'm having like a, a brainstorming which and you do as well yeah. is i will start writing down ideas and i just allow my brain just go for 15 20 minutes and there's yeah. there's crazy stuff coming out there yeah. i'm just allowing everything to come out yeah. because obviously remember when with especially when you're thinking about new ideas what happens is your conscious mind will jump in first of all yeah and it will give you all the obvious stuff all the stuff that you know from the past all the stuff that you already know mm. but once you sit for longer then you start kind of jump into the things that you've forgot about yes and it's getting getting past that first that first part and getting Mm. into the real juicy stuff and going ah now we're getting some really cool stuff so especially when you're trying to get rid of old patterns yeah for me that's a great way of writing stuff down because you write the initial stuff down which you know is on the surface but i want to know what's underneath all of that Mm. and that's where that process of journaling especially for long periods of time can be really helpful yeah, and I know. I know. Sometimes I've kind of like gone back to a journal and been mm. shocked that I actually wrote that, because it's yeah. like you look at it and go, "Wow, did I write that?" And it's it's like, okay, <laughs> where where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so true, right? And with when you so when you did the other thing is, do you take time in to pick your journal, or do you just go for any notebook? Generally, I can use a notebook, but. Okay. Once a year, I go and buy my, my books for the year mm. that I use because also I use one for coaching. Yeah. Um, so, like, and that, the other thing which is I use, which i not journaling as such, but at the end of every day, I write down three things I'm grateful for. Yeah, yeah. So it's a gratitude, which is writing down. Great again, it's another way of journey is recognizing. I'm recognizing in my head. I'm going, going back in my mind throughout the day mm. and then writing down what's important. So for me, yeah, there, there are th- – when I buy the books, mm. I'm looking for a certain book that I'm drawn to. So there is something about the book that's cut. You know, I'm a big thing about colors as well because yeah. it links back into the chakras. Right. So, I'm not, so blues are always, most of my books are blue okay. because it links into communication. Mm. 
Okay. That just works for me. It's just something for me. But yeah, so there's something about the books that they're not just normal uh, pads that you buy. They're normally kind of the nice looking ones because I there's I want to honor the information that I'm taking and writing down. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm the, I'm I'm the same. For me, for me, there's something. Um, it's it's got to it's got to resonate with me, and I generally yeah. like big big bright colors. Right. Um, but like this year, I was drawn to the um, the Evernote moleskins because I loved the cool, okay. the texture of it and the way it looked. And for some reason, that was it. So it's it's and then I've got other ones just a really like old gold um, gold leather bound things that I've written. Wow. So it's it's I don't know what it is. It's for me. It's like oh, it's just it, there's something about it. It just if it's like oh yeah, that's cool. I couldn't do it on a, a like a ring note paper. You know, yeah, like, no, you know, it's yeah. like, oh no, that doesn't. That my 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 journal deserves more. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm I'm looking for a book that I can start writing my, for start taking the notes for my own book that I'm writing. Yeah, and I want to find the right yeah. notepad. Yeah, that reflects the kind of book that I'm going to be writing. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so yeah. I think yeah, it's important. Yeah, and it's and it's it you know the um, whether this is the printing days, but the paper's got to be right. Yeah, it doesn't want to be. It doesn't want to be crap paper. Where if I want to write with a fountain pen, it goes straight through. (laughs) It needs to be like a good quality paper. Brilliant. Yeah, totally agree. Thank you very much for that. So, Dean, could you share how people could find out more um, about you and what you do? Yeah, sure. So I have my two websites, my own website, deangriffiths.co.uk, and then energyfusion.co.uk. I'm on Instagram. Uh, Facebook and Twitter. Actually, it's the same handle on all three. So it's Soul Whisperer seventy one. Brilliant. Okay, Dean. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure and privilege to have you on the the uh, show. And thanks for joining me. Always a pleasure, Jeff. Take care. Wishing you the greatest success, my friend. Thank you. So first of all, just let me say a huge thank you for tuning in or subscribing to the show. I'm very grateful for that. If you have any suggestions of topics that you would like to to suggest that we have on the show, or perhaps you want to give me feedback of, of what you think about the show, then you can send any emails to podcast at jeffnicholson.co.uk. I love hearing from you and your feedback really does help me make the show better. So if you want to find out more about me or how I can assist you to live the exceptional life, then you can visit www.jeffnicholson.co.uk or you can follow me on Twitter, look for GN Coach, or on all other social media sites, I am Jeff Nicholson UK. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. If you've also enjoyed the show, can I invite you to pop over to iTunes and give us a rate and review as it really does help make the podcast more visible to increase its audience. I look forward to speaking to you next week and I want to take this time to wish you the greatest success. Take care.